Hi everyone, uh, Dave here. You join me in my garden on my old Saltergate seats, uh, as per usual, uh, for the intro for this week's guest. Uh, now this week I am back with the players and I spoke to George Carline. Uh, now George, uh, obviously I don't think I'm alone in saying this, is one of my favourite players uh, of the last few seasons. Uh, as he alludes to in the podcast, he's kind of a, uh, a 7 out of 10 uh, trier does all the basics uh, really well and I think it was probably a time in Chesterfield's history where we really needed players like that. Um, so he was with us at the perfect time. Obviously got a, a wicked long throw on him, uh, scored a fair few goals and got a bunch of assists and clean sheets along the way. Um, so it was really great to catch up with him. Um, his journey is really interesting in football. He started off uh, not really through an academy setup or anything like that, but actually playing for Cadbury Athletic. Uh, which is the Chocolate Factory's um, actual football team uh, playing at Bourneville. Uh, so he was doing that while he was at university. And then he kind of worked his way up the pyramid. Uh, so at various places, um, Redditch and Solihull, before uh, obviously joining Chesterfield uh, from Gloucester, uh, as James Rowe was moving from that direction at the same time. Uh, in that first season, he got player of the season. Uh, so was obviously doing something right. Uh, and in that second season, had that really cruel injury against Wrexham, uh, where he absolutely shattered his kneecap and then was out for the rest of the season. It's great to see that he's now back fit and playing uh, at Brackley. Um, so we had a chat about his whole career uh, and it was really great to uh, hear him doing well. He's only in Derby, so I'm sure he'll be up at the Technique again soon to catch up with some old pals. Uh, as always, we are at Spire Legends uh, on Twitter and Instagram and Legends of the Spire on Facebook. So do get us, do check us out. And there's also issue one of the new fanzine Linda Sandwich Shop, uh, which is just out. So there'll be a link around here somewhere if you want to go and buy it. Uh, so here we are with the latest episode of the podcast. It's back to the players this week and it's George Carline. So you're actually from Derby, aren't you? So you're actually pretty born from pretty close to Chesterfield, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, born in Derby, and then I, I've lived all my childhood over kind of Leicestershire, uh, Ashby de la Zouche way. Um, so yeah, when when the opportunity came to come to Chesterfield, really, it was it was ideal, kind of locality wise. Mm -hmm. um, it was yeah, it was perfect. Um, but yeah, I, I grew up around. Obviously, born in Derby, grew up around here, and then ended up going to university in Birmingham. So I spent a lot of my young adult years around there, really, and playing football around there. That's why a lot of my teams um, that I've played for around that, that kind of area. Mm. Were you ever part of an academy or anything like that? No. Um, so I, I kind of. Like, like any other lad does kind of plays local um, in local teams with their mates and things like that played a lot at school kind of captain the school teams and things like that um, but no just kind of local teams and then uh, I, I was getting problems with my knee I played I played that many sports I kind of just chucked myself into everything really I played a lot of rugby um, from the age of what would it have been probably around 11 to 13 because our, sc our school didn't have a, actually have a football team. So it was just one of them that to try to, to stay in sport, just had to play rugby. You had one of those, it was just rugby teachers. So we played a lot of, 
a lot of rugby and I just kind of played any other sport as well, cricket, football, rugby. And I think the amount of sport that I played kind of took its toll on my knees a little bit during that development stage. Um, so I kind of stepped away from football at the age of 13, 14, I think it was. Yeah, so I had a, had a bit of a clear out of my knee when I was around 14, so just didn't play and didn't really... Obviously, I, I still watch football and I still I loved being involved in it. But I just didn't, I wasn't playing the kind of competitive level, even though the competitive level I was playing at was just kind of local football. Um, I, I just stepped away from it for about three or four years. And just before I went back, to, uh, just before I decided to go to university, I kind of got back playing for my local team in Ashby. Yeah. Um, so that was like under 18s just the, uh, um, I think it was Leicestershire Flood Little League or something like that just to kind of get back into the competitive side of it mm. and again a few of my mates were still playing around that age so it was good just to to jump back into it um, but I had no had no real ambitions of moving on and, and taking it in, on as a career kind of full time because um, my focus at that time was going through college um, and then the natural progression at that stage for me was to go to university. What did you do at university then? What did you study? So I studied, um, it was called sport PE and coaching science, um, a lot around kind of just the um, pedagogy and teaching and stuff like that around coaching methods and things but then um, some of the sports science involved in that as well. So certain modules are kind of sports science as well. Um, and I kind of always knew the route was going to be down teaching, um, but obviously along the way you, you have other interests as well. So the sports science stuff, I, I did kind of sports psychology modules and things like that. Um, but I generally kind of took that teaching route. And, yeah. and I read that you kind of, uh, it was the university team that you didn't get in the university team. So you ended up at Cadbury Athletic, which I never knew Cadbury Athletic existed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, like I said, I never really, I was, I think I went to university and it was one of them, they have that many teams and um, social groups and things like that. You can get involved in anything from, well, I don't know what they were like taekwondo and just all sorts of things that you can just play casually not too competitively so I was looking around all kind of sorts of things I think I went to Gaelic football um, club for a little bit just tried that out for a couple of sessions um, and then my, my mate was like yeah the trials are this this day uh, went along with him it was one of my mates from school actually he um he was already at the university from the year before. So I knew him um, and he said, yeah, the trials are here. We went along and it was, there must've been about two or 300 people there. And you were, and it's kind of, it was kind of run by the students and you probably got about five touches of the ball and it was kind of a, a bit of a shambles, but one of them obviously, obviously didn't stand out that kind of, at that stage. Uh, but I'm that kind of player. I probably don't, don't stand out in a trial anyway. Just kind of a hardworking, uh, consistent type of player. But yeah, um, it was one of them. So we, I don't think we either of us got in any of the teams. Uh, 
And I kind of left it at that. And then I think a week or two later, he was like, oh, I found this team that's one stop on the train um, down from Selly Oak. So he was like, let's go just down there and see what it's like. And uh, yeah, I went from there, really. It was, um, yeah, it was probably the best decision that I made in terms of that kind of footballing career at the start because there was no pressure, really. Like I said, you're not, you're not getting paid any money. I think some teams might have got a little bit 10, 20 quid expenses or something like that in that league. But it was <clears throat> for Cadbury, they made made clear straight away that they, they didn't do any of that. So I kind of just we just went for the for the crack really. And there was like I said, there was no pressure. And the people down there were spot on and it was um it was ideal for me for really for two years. Yeah, and it's actually at play at Bourneville, don't you? Yeah, yeah. So, like I said, yeah, one stop on the train for me. So, five, it was literally five minutes on the train. We jumped on, never paid for the train anyway. You could get through the, there was never the barriers down anyway. So, didn't have to pay to get the train down. Um, and then, yeah, you'd get off and you'd smell the chocolate straight away. So, you'd be, um, they're actually back down there now. Actually, they, they moved away for a couple of years because of ground regulations or something. But, actually back down at the, the recreational ground like uh, by Cadbury World now and you're playing and you can you can obviously smell the chocolate being made which is quite nice yeah. Uh, but yeah it's, uh, yeah it was really good and I read you scored like 40 goals one season or something like that was it that's what I read somewhere. yeah yeah um so for first season um as any new players kind of coming into a new team. Me and, me and my mate got chucked into the reserves um, from the start, played a few games in that, and then I think quickly went up into the first team. Uh, and like I said, it was, um, I think it was, I'm trying to think what step of non-league it was. Um, it was probably step, trying to think now seven maybe something like that um that was the first team that was in step seven so I kind of went into played probably half the season in the first team the first year did all right in that I can't remember where we finished and then the second the second year it was just kind of I knew that I was kind of comfortable at that level and you <laughs> I was playing further forward kind of left side of midfield mainly but you're coming up against a lot of kind of slow, maybe older fullbacks and a lot of just simple one-twos around fullbacks kind of got me in and I was scoring goals. And, and again, headers at the back post, which again, I could I could jump higher than most of them and, and nod them in. Um, but just kind of started from the first game. I remember scoring, I think, one or two in the first game. I thought every, every game I was going into, I think I should score it really. Um, so yeah, somehow I ended up getting I think forty in thirty eight, thirty nine appearances or something like that in all in all competitions. So uh, yeah, it was an enjoyable season. And then you moved on to so moving on a bit. So you were at like Redditch, 
for a bit, Hensford for a bit. Do you get player of the season at Redditch, I think? Yeah, I think possibly, I can't remember which season I got player of the year there. Um, but yeah, after that Cadbury season, I was I just got asked to go into, into Redditch pre-season, train, just see how it was, because it was, I think it was four or five leagues up. Um, but, but settled in pretty quickly, really. Um, and again, it was just a, a case of just playing games, really, which you can't really beat at, at any level, just consistently playing games. Um, and that was the first time that I was earning any kind of money. I, was, I, think I, was, I think I went in there on 50 quid a week or something like that, um, which was a nice little bonus. I was still, I think I was in my third year at university. Um, so I was getting, and then it gradually started going up a bit because I was doing all right. So I think the manager was just trying to keep hold of me, 75 quid and then 100 quid. And then by the time I left, I was probably on, I don't know, 125 quid or something like that. Um, Do you start to think then, oh, actually, I could, I wonder how far this can go. Were you, were you always quite relaxed about it or did you start? Yeah, yeah potentially, because... Um, obviously it was a step up and it was it'd be two leagues below what Chesterfield are now so a league below what I'm playing now um, and clubs so league clubs would even more so in recent years start looking into non-league don't they yeah. um, and I was a little bit younger then but we had we had a few lads that um, moved on so the first year that I was at Redditch um, a lad called Jermaine Hilton moved on to Swindon. So he got a move into the league in the January. So when you see stuff like that happening, you think, well, if he can do it kind of thing, then why why can't others? Because um, obviously you play and train with them every day and you, you think you're either a similar standard or whatever. But um, yeah, you start, you don't get ahead of yourself. You just, like I said, just play games and, and just see what happens. At the same time, I was still doing my university and then I did an, uh, my PGC to train to become a teacher. So that was still my focus. Um, but at the same time, the football is one of them things that I was doing for enjoyment. But like you said, it starts to become a little bit more serious um, when you see people moving on and making a career of it. Yeah, yeah definitely. So obviously you, you've, uh, obviously played a lot of positions. Are there any positions you've not played? <laughs> uh, played prob- probably just in goal. Um, <laughs> I think that actually might be the only position I've not played. Um, so I've spoken to some players before where it's like almost like it's a blessing and a curse to be the utility player because that you can play a lot of games, but then on the other flip side, you maybe don't you could be moving around position quite a lot, which can be quite hard to adjust. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is. It, um, I think if you can, if you can learn a position and try and settle down a position in a team, you're probably better off. But again, it, from, from the outside for managers, it, it's something that they appreciate, I think, and, and might look for in play. In, in certain situations, they might think, I need a player that can do this. So that might be your opportunity to get signed by a team or a manager because they see that quality in you. Uh, but I know what you're saying in terms of um, 
it seemed that seemed to happen a little bit uh, at Solihull Hall the last couple of years I was there. They, I kind of like you said, played here, there, and everywhere, um, and never really got a settled running the team. That might have been down to the managers not thinking I had the quality or what, but I was always involved in the squads, um, and I was coming on and, and doing a job. And when I when I started games, I always think, thought I did all right, and it was it was a case of. Um, even though I thought I did all right, I kind of in the back of my mind thought I'm not really going to get a run in the team because um, there's obviously players that only play that position and then they come back in for you and things like that. But yeah, it's it's not something that I'd change. I think I pride myself on being able to be versatile and be able to play different positions and be able to read the game in different positions as well because I think it's important quality to have yeah so you mentioned Solihull so that step up again with Solihull so obviously it's going right direction what's it like at Solihull because we've obviously as Chesterfield fans we've got a bit of a (laughs) a bit of a funny relationship with Solihull now after the playoffs last year and and a few games we've had with them yeah the most favorite club of Chesterfield but what from, from your position of having played for them I suppose it's probably slightly different yeah I've noticed that just from (laughs) <laughs> online and things like that um, they get a bit of stick uh, yeah it's it was I, I ended up following my previous man he ended up getting the Solihull job Liam McDonald and I ended up going with him to Solihull and we was, they were still just part time when I went so they were just training Tuesday and Thursday nights still even though they'd gone into the National League um, the budget that they had obviously didn't allow for them to move to go full time straight away uh, so those first couple of years it was a bit of a struggle and a battle just to stay in the league and I think we did well to achieve that really because obviously it set the club up to be able to stay in there and cement themselves and obviously progress the way they have um, but yeah there's, a, there's been a lot of change in that f- four or five years since I or six years this season um, since I joined uh, obviously uh, Daryl went in with his investment and things like that and it's kind of light years away from what it was at the start um, but yeah we uh, like I said it was a bit of a battle to stay in the league to start with and I think we we built on that just being a bit of a horrible team and just kind of sticking to that identity of just when teams come there they just did not want to be there and um, we built a, <laughs> Tim Flowers built a team of giants and and me with the long throws and it just yeah it, it worked because we obviously we thinking back to it we should we should have really won the league because I think we finished three points off the top and that season that Leighton Orient won it and the, the run of games that we had towards the end of the season I think we just threw it away a little bit really did you, do you practice the long throws in training or anything like that, or is it just a bit of an on the day? <laughs> that, I think that was a Tim Flowers thing as well. I think he, um, I don't know when it was during the season, it might have been at the start of the season. He probably thought, oh, I think we needed a long throw or, some, or something extra for this team. And people, and a few people stepped up and practiced a few one session. I'd, ne- I'd never done them in a game or anything um, 
and then I lobbed one in and he's like, yeah, he got, he got very excited by it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, so they use that, that weapon, I suppose, uh, for the rest of that season. And then it's, it's been something that I suppose other managers want to use because you see other clubs using it now and scoring goals from it and, and why not? Really, it's a, it's something that you can utilise then mm. and go for it, it. It disappeared out of the game for a bit, didn't it? And then it all it does seem to have had a resurgence. Yeah, a lot of clubs yeah, think, have that as a, a different different way to score, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's weird. The game obviously goes through phases, doesn't it? The the kind of football that you see now at the top level um, is unbelievable. Some of the teams that you see in the players, but even the even some of the best footballing teams, I've seen them using it now. They have, I know that Liverpool have got throwing coaches and things like that. That might not be specifically for long throws, but um, yeah, I think they realise that in the certain situations that why not kind of thing. And it's another great way to make yourself completely indispensable to a team as well, isn't it? If you've got the long yeah. throw weapon. You're yeah. not being on special teams like the NFL. You've got to be You've got to be on the pitch, haven't you? <laughs> well, that's it, yeah. Uh, just try and find everything that, yeah, I just head it, throw it. Um, just, yeah, find little attributes that, that managers might like and, and, like you said, getting the team. You're right. <laughs> so you ended up joining us from via Gloucester. Obviously, it was the kind of the James Rowe link, wasn't it? Yeah. You brought a few players to us. So was that like December time, I think, you came? Yeah, I think it was, it was. start of December. Yeah, first week of December, maybe, that 2020. So how did that all come about then, that move? Um, did it come about before he'd left? <laughs> like, right, do you want to come to... So, yeah, I've got to be careful, I've got to be careful yeah. what I've said. There's, there's, there's always two kind of sides to a story. Yeah. Um, but, as it, yeah, it was a bit of a weird one because we were doing so well at, at Gloucester. I think we were top of the league. We had, we had a really good team there. Um, and then there was kind of rumours that the, the manager might be going for the Chesterfield job. And we were, I was, to be honest, I was thinking, it was looking at where Chesterfield were in the league, I think 20, 21st at the time, weren't you? Yeah, it's pretty good. Something like that. And, and we were top of the league and I was thinking, does he really want to go and take that job? But in terms of other things then he clearly thought he could he could go and do a job and in the back of your mind you're thinking well he, he might want to take a few players with him kind of thing but it it didn't it wasn't one of them that I was thinking straight away and then I think literally over the weekend I think we played a game on the Saturday and then I think I, I was finding out that he got the job on the Monday or the Tuesday, which is just like, okay. Mm. And then, then over the next week or so, um, obviously things come through either from agents and, and things like that, that there's, there's interest in people and he wanted me to go there. Um, so obviously you, your ears prick up a little bit and you, you start thinking about, again, the, the thing that I was thinking about was kind of going back up a league and competing in that and especially for a, a club of that size. Um, interestingly, I was, because I was out of contract obviously at Solihull that summer. So 
in the pandemic, obviously out of contract during that. Um, and he got in touch with me that summer. That's the first time I spoke to Ro um, to go to Gloucester because I think I played against his team while I was on loan at Leamington. Um, but so I was out of contract at Solihull and Chesterfield was one of the teams I was thinking, oh, that'd be ideal for me. Kind of, I know, I know I can play this level. So I knew that I could play the national league. Um, and like we said earlier, the, the locality of it and things like that. So I tried to, I tried to get in Chesterfield that summer just to try and, either on trial or just go and train or whatever. But um, the manager at the time just wasn't, wasn't interested. So um, obviously I went to Gloucester for a, a few months and it was, it was a weird time because our, our season got delayed. So mm. I was out of contract at Salio and then hadn't had nothing coming in until, uh, till I think the October, I think our season started the October. So that, that few months was weird. So just waiting and waiting and my <laughs> savings was going down and down because <laughs> it, it was just a bit of a weird time. But then, um, yeah, that opportunity came up to go to Chesterfield. Again, I won't say, I won't go into too much detail and things like that. I get so much stick from Gloucester fans about kind of how I left and, and stuff like that. But, um, I was kind of, let's just say I was, I was within my rights to, <laughs> I was within my rights to be able to say I wanted to go there. That's all I'll say. Yeah, yeah, of course. Here is Oyeleka and now Taylor, the man who's proved to be a danger throughout the game, takes on Arthurs, gets ahead of him, gets the cross into the box with Tyson and then Carline! George Carline fires Chesterfield back into the lead. And I have to say, he's cut in from that right-hand side on numerous occasions and gone close and this time he scores it's a great finish from George Carline promptly caught out of the back George Carline in acres of space drifted into the box and finished disappointing goal to concede and, and it started off quite well at Chesterfield didn't it um, I, was, I was looking it was the it was the um, uh, it was a 1-0 win over Sutton wasn't it I think your debut and then that second game was the 6-0 over Barnet wasn't it so it was uh so it was a good old start, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we um, couldn't have asked for a much better start, really. Obviously, you're going into a team that are clearly struggling a bit because they wouldn't have been in the league and they wouldn't have needed a new manager. So you don't really know what to expect. But I think the attitude of the lads that were there when obviously there's a big, there's a high turnover of players, wasn't there? Mm. Um, me, I think. Joel Taylor came in, I think played that first game as well. He was um, at first my debut as well. I think he made his debut. Um, and then it seemed to carry on for the next however many weeks and months players coming in. But so like I said, the lads that were there at the time, their attitude was spot on. Um, and obviously they were a big part as well as the players coming in to, to turning it around obviously climbing up the league. Mm. But yeah, that, 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 sorry. Yeah, that Barnet game with, um, I think Quasi scored a hat-trick, didn't they? Yeah. I think that just kind of sparked it and got the excitement going again, didn't it, really? Yeah. Was, was it weird not having, because obviously all through that time, I, I was having a look. Actually, you only played 
I think five games in front of the Chesterfield home fans. I think over your time there or something. Yeah, it was the time when there was no fans, wasn't it? Mm, that's one thing I put when um, when I tweeted out at the end of the when I was when I knew I was leaving. It was just it was a weird time because I know how passionate they are and how how many fans they get down at the, uh, the Technique Stadium. Just to, like you said, was it only five times that? Five, yeah, I think at home, yeah. yeah it, it can't be any many more than that um, to play in front of them. That was that was that was the only disappointing thing, really, because it was every game was kind of like a training game. You know, it's being streamed and there's reaction from fans after the game and stuff online. But yeah, it's not really the same. You can <laughs> you can see from kind of celebrations when they score the goals. Like if you look back at clips and highlights and stuff of the games when you score the goal it's kind of like yeah okay and then just <laughs> jog back to the halfway line um whereas if you score in front of the fans you the, the buzz is unbelievable and you just you kind of lose your mind for a second and you you have to run over and just enjoy it um so yeah it was that was disappointing but it, it was the sign of the times i suppose wasn't it yeah but it was wasn't it and like I say, that that season went then incredibly well. I think you only missed one game, which I think was due to suspension. Uh, but yeah. apart, from, apart from that, you played every game, didn't you? So it was settled in really easy again to that level, didn't you? Like I say, you kind of knew you could play there. Yeah, I think I've said this to managers and other players. There's not, there's not a lot of, com- there's no kind of complication. My game's not very complicated in terms of what I do. And I kind of just pride myself on, being hardworking and consistent and I think during that time where or a couple of few years of um, disappointment I suppose and struggle at Chesterfield I think that's all the fans kind of wanted to see or, or want to see anyway is kind of someone who's going to kind of leave it all out there and just be consistent and give their all really so that's that's kind of what I did and obviously um, as that happened, the team started doing well. Uh, um, we had unbelievable players come in, and Quasi was on fire at the time. And again, yeah, it was a it was a big team effort just to get into the playoffs that season. Really, I think. Yeah, and I've, and I've spoken to uh, uh, James Montgomery obviously about that Notts County game and him. Mm, yeah, I've, I've seen I've seen him talking about it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's. it's we'd have, I think could have won that game had that not have happened because uh, you, you could tell certainly with their their winner that he just couldn't come off the line and 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 grab it. It was kind of one of those things, wasn't it, where it could have been so different at the end of that season. But yeah, yeah, it's it's one of them, isn't it? it to get that in such a big game, and like you said, you look look back at the goals, and he's. If he hasn't had that injury, he's coming and claiming him, isn't he? He's coming and just catching him. Um, but yeah, for myself, the, to, even towards the end of that season, I don't think I did myself too much justice. I was getting ripped up by Calvin, I think, in that game, especially in the first half. Um, and I was kind of carried, even I think for the last few months, really, I was carrying a little few little niggles. But again, it was one of them that I don't think that. <laughs> The manager had someone to bring into that position at the time. I can't think who who was behind me or in the squad that 
I suppose he, he didn't trust him to come into that position. But yeah, I, I, I definitely didn't do myself too much justice then the last couple of probably six, eight weeks in that season, just just through kind of fitness really. But it was it was still a it was a good experience to like like I said, just to get into the playoffs. But that yeah, that, that game against Knotts was a bit of a sick now, to be honest. What what was all the training like and everything then around then? Uh, what what is it is it, was it it kind of a, a tough taskmaster in in training? The gaffer then and the rest yeah. of the squad. And... Yeah, I've seen it. Obviously, I think you want to ask that question. The fans want to know what it was like during that time and things like that. He, yeah, yeah, he had kind of standards that, or he probably still does. He has standards that he wants people to meet and um, I suppose, yeah, you can say he's a tough taskmaster. Uh, I've, I've found that he helped me in, t- in terms of my game is, is kind of settling down that position and learning that position a bit better. Because mm-hmm. like, like, like we mentioned before, where being used here, there and everywhere, not being able, not being taught a specific position, which is a bit mad really when you get into, <laughs> you think at the age of 20 what would have been 27 whatever I was you, you think you should have someone should have taught you a position or taught you how to play a position but if you haven't been in an academy or never had a settled position then it just hadn't happened so even at that age just kind of simple instructions to this is where you should be when the ball's there or just simple things like that just kind of helped me so in terms of his coaching um, I benefited from that but yeah, he could he could lose his rag like any manager, really. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to turn it into another podcast about you know James Rowe or anything like that. So we can <laughs> we can park all that stuff. This is your podcast rather than. I think, I think yeah, I think everyone's. So I, think, I think everyone's kind of beat around the bush about everything anyway. And you can't again, whatever went on, I was. Um, I'm trying to think what happened because I wasn't in I was obviously still injured mm. I was kind of in the club not but not full time so when I was uh, I wasn't like coming in every single day because I was still I was kind of hospital scans all that kind of stuff and then when it happened I was like what the what the hell is going on here then? <laughs> it literally popped up and the, the first that I'd seen of it was manager suspended and I was like wow okay and then everything's kind of hearsay after that. So even even now, I've heard that many different things. You don't know what you don't know what to believe. Yeah. So you got player of the season, didn't you? Player of the year under that under that season. Yeah, yeah. That was that was a nice surprise. I don't even know if I've got the trophy actually. I, I best get onto yeah John Crute and get the trophy sent. Yeah. <laughs> I got present. I got presented it by him. On the pitch, but I'm thinking now I haven't I haven't actually got anything, so I don't know if I get to keep what you know where you normally get one to keep, and then there's like one engraved somewhere or something like that. I've not I've not actually got anything, so uh, you get onto Crutey for me, then he can send one in the post. <laughs> message out to him. <laughs> yeah. SOS for your player of the season. Yeah, it'll just go in. Yeah, it'll just go in the box in the loft, but it'll be nice. It'll be nice to get out in a few years. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean. It- with the with the way that season went, obviously lots of big wins, and you you see 
like you know the amount of goals that Quasi scored and and other players that he brought in and stuff. You know to to come out the top of the tree on that boat is it must have been really satisfying. Yeah, it was nice. Um, I think, like I said before, I think the fans kind of resonate with someone who's hardworking and, and consistent, really. And and again, um, when there's someone consistently in the team and, and doing okay, and the team's being successful, then you're always going to kind of be in contention. But I don't really like taking the individual accolades. Um, I'd much rather quasi of one player of the season and him gone and got not got injured, got 30 goals and we go up. Um, it's one of that if I mean if your right back's getting player of the season, then I don't think you're gonna be either winning the playoffs or, or going up, do you know what I mean? You want you want your strikers and your attacking flair players really to be to be winning those and that's that's what they love anyway. The, the strikers they want all the praise don't they but that's that's how it should work really the defenders kind of the defenders are there to build a base for the team for to allow those flair players attacking players to go and do their thing really yeah but you do still want the trophy <laughs> so oh yeah of course it so that second <laughs> season then uh obviously fans in fact it was uh, just going back a bit, Dagenham, that last home game of the season, that was when the fans came back, wasn't it? We had like a limited number. It was really weird. We were all like sat in twos, uh, like around the stadium. It was it was kind of a nice atmosphere that day, wasn't it? I think Danny Rowe scored a couple that day. It must have been nice to see yeah. the stadium with a few fans in it. Yeah, it was, um, I think what there was, uh, it was about 3,000 in there. Yeah, there. something like that, wasn't it? But it, it felt like... It felt loads more than that, just because, like you said, they, you were sat in twos and they were spread all around the ground. So it, it felt like there was at least kind of six thousand uh, people in there. But yeah, that was that was a great moment, just to obviously the first time to feel that that atmosphere down there. And it just felt like a proper game, and <laughs> like none of the games that season just felt like a proper game. Yeah, yeah. So going on to next season, then I suppose we the mentality. I suppose the mentality had changed anyway during that pre that season before. But obviously we'd started so low. But when you're starting on a a clean sheet again, you kind of go into that season as one of the one of the favourites, don't you? Going into the season, so um, yeah, it's a different yeah, dynamic, isn't it, to start a season? Yeah, there's a different kind of pressure, isn't there? To I don't think there was much pressure that first season because. You, you're coming in where the team's in the league and you where they are in the league, sorry. And the, the further it goes on, you think, oh, we could actually make playoffs here kind of thing. Mm. And you, it's just that excitement more than anything. But then, yeah, like you said, that um, the next season, that pressure, I think there was an expectation that we'd go on and win the league. Uh, and that, that that's the way it should have been uh, because the, this, obviously the signings that we made in, and cabs um, and some of the others coming in we were only getting stronger so um, yeah that was the expectation uh, personally for me I, I, I don't think I even had a pre-season that year we went away to Loughborough and had a training camp in Loughborough which was good to for everyone to kind of kind of that team bonding mm-hmm. um, but I don't think I trained at all throughout that training camp I had a 
like I said, from the back end of the season before, I had a bit of a, a niggle. Um, so I was just kind of rehabbing that more than anything. Uh, and the idea was to try and ease me into the season a little bit. I wasn't going to play for the first, I think, five or, five or six games. It was kind of going to be minutes here, there and everywhere. And then Kingy ended up getting injured in the second game of the season, I think it was. So now I was thrown in. Um, but yeah, it was a yeah, it was a bit of a strange one for me, really. Obviously, sidebound. It's good to see the team doing so well. But that obviously, you'll probably ask about the injury in a sec. But it was uh, yeah, it's disappointing one for me. Yeah, so it was like nine games, I think you played that season. Yeah, I think it, yeah, I think Wrexham was the ninth game. Um, but, and then before we go on to. Uh, Go on to the injury. I want to go on to a few goals because yeah. there was there was some there was some a real variety of goals actually. I was looking at them all last night and the ones that you scored. You had your like your typical back post one. You had your bit of a tapping from a corner. There was the Kings Lynn, which was it was interesting. The Kings Lynn goal because it's like a long throw that then came back to you and you just kind of hit it. Yeah, assisted, <laughs> assisted by myself. Yeah, just <laughs> that's yeah. that makes your long throw even more indispensable if you end up scoring the goal from it as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I was pleased. I was, I was pleased with some of the goals I scored. I was. It took too long for me to score my first goal. I was a bit disappointed in that the season before. Because um, I always think I can be a goal threat, like you say, either at the back post or just timing to get in certain areas. Um, but yeah, the the one that sticks out in my mind is the Bromley one. Just yeah. It looks so nice on on camera as well, right behind the the angle of the the ball. Um, but yeah, when you score a goal like that, is it a bit like oof? <laughs> like, do you just know when you when it's because it was it was like one of those you hit it perfectly and you just kind of see the ball. Especially for me, yeah, that's I don't score many like that. No, I think I went earlier on in my career. I think I I think I went about ten or eleven goals. Where I just scored with my head. I didn't score with my feet. Like a run of a run of goals, it was ridiculous. I just was just scoring with my head all the time. Um, so it was nice to break that. I think I scored what my last goal for Sully always with my feet, and I broke that bit of a duck. And then, um, but yeah, to score a goal like that was yeah, it was unbelievable. Um, the celebration is a bit annoying because Curtis knocks me off balance as I was celebrating. I kind of nearly fell over, so that that took the shine off it a little bit for me. <laughs> and then there was the header, wasn't there? Against I think it was Wealdstone, I think uh, a few games before that start that season. I think. Oh yeah, yeah. Header that... in front of the cop, which must have been nice to then score in front of a, a full cop. Yeah, that was yeah, that was really good. Um, unbelievable little overhead kick from Gav Gunning, yeah. and then just. Yeah, nodded it in, but like you said, the, um, the celebration in front of the cop. Then that's when you, that's when you appreciate those those fans being in the ground because, like I said earlier, the buzz that you get and the roar that you get from the the stands is yeah, you can't really describe it to be honest. Second goal, and George Carl 
himself in the 81st minute of the game. It's Chesterfield 2, Wilson 0. So, so I suppose we go on to injury then. So it was at Wrexham, wasn't it? It's in that, which apparently uh, with the Welcome to Wrexham series that is that is on apparently episode four is very much based on that game apparently uh, and what happened in that match. But um, yeah, it kind of it's it kind of happened, but then you like played on for a bit, didn't you? Uh, yeah. Uh, so what happened from your point of view? Yeah, so it was it was like a, it was a 50-50 challenge. I've watched it back quite a few times. Uh, actually played with the lad Jamie record at Solio and we both we've both gone in and he nicks he, he gets the ball first so he nicks the ball away first and then it's just all of his weight all of his studs have gone into my knee so all of his weight's just gone into that one knee I the manager said at the time it's a horrendous tackle um, it's it's one of them that he's, he's not meant he's not meant to hurt me he's flipped the ball away first and it's just an unfortunate kind of clattering of it's obviously turned out nasty. Um, but yeah, we've both gone down and he's Jamie's actually gone off at half time. And then half, at half time I've it's one of them where I think I don't know if I just thought I'd bruise the bone or something like that. I was icing my knee. Um felt okay. I wasn't in loads and loads of pain. It just felt like a bit of a more of a dead dead leg but on the bone kind of thing. Um, so I'm icing it and then I've gone out for the second half and I can feel myself struggling a little bit in the second half but I'm not I'm not one of them to say yeah bring me off now kind of thing so I've kind of carried on playing in hindsight I should have come off at half time because I think the tackle obviously cracked my kneecap across um, and then all the impact during that second half, either jumping and landing, and obviously weakened it. And then I've gone to volley a ball from uh, from a corner, I think it was. Just planted my left foot, and then the, my knees just kind of given way, and that's obviously made it a, a bigger injury than it probably should have been. But I'm not really one of them to say what if and things like that. So. Yeah, it's, uh, it was a nasty, It turned out to be a nasty one, um, and like I said, in hindsight, I should have come off. But hey ho! I saw the comments at the time saying that it was like akin to a, a bad car crash injury, and yeah, the, the surgeon, the surgeon was say. I don't think, to me personally, I don't think he didn't say that straight away. Um, because you don't want to say that to you don't want to make out how bad someone's injury, especially when they're a footballer, how bad the injury is. But it wasn't until probably because um, I ended up having ended up having three operations on my knees because I, I had infection. I, I was getting it was getting infected and things like that. Uh, it wasn't until after the second clear out, so the third time they opened my knee up and it had all healed and basically it was all good it wasn't until then and they said well yeah it was a it was a horrible one kind of thing and he was he was amazed at how well it had, the bone and everything had ended up healing um so yeah it was definitely it was definitely a nasty one um 
but it's it's kind of all good now. It's a bit weird because I've not actually got any metal work in it, so I think that might have helped me in terms of the pain. Like I don't really get any pain in my kneecap at the moment, so it's, uh, fingers crossed it, it carries on that way. And obviously that season we had a lot of injured players, like a lot of injured players, more probably injured than fit. Uh, uh, Obviously, when you're injured, you end up kind of out of that core group of players because they have to carry on, I suppose, on the focus of winning matches and, and things like that. But uh, did you become quite isolated from everything when you've got a long injury like that? Or was the fact that you had so many injury, injured players meant that you could kind of have a bit of solace in other people going through the same thing? What's it like? I think the first few months was the toughest because, because of that because of that isolation, really, that there was a lot of time that I couldn't actually get into the the first the first six weeks when I'm in a straight cast. Um, I can't, I couldn't go anywhere really. Couldn't do anything. Um, so those six weeks, and then the yeah, the first couple of months when I'm in the, the in a brace were the toughest, just because the reliance I had on other people. So my now wife. Um, fiance at the time, her having to do all these things for me. I don't like asking. I don't like asking for help anyway. Um, so when she's having to help me getting in and out of the shower and down the stairs and all this kind of stuff, I think it. I felt felt more bad for her than I did kind of in myself. So it was, yeah, it took its toll on her. I think more than more than anything which which obviously affected me but um in terms of the team like you said when i actually got back in and was doing my rehab in the club full time the the injuries were mad and, and seemed to be drop seemed to be dropping like flies obviously i was in the gym every single day um morning and afternoon doing whatever rehab and then every other day you'd have, you'd be like so you're you're injured now, kind of. Someone else would join you. Someone else would join you in the gym. You'd be thinking, "What is going on?" Um, it it helped in terms of your motivation. We had like me, the core, like kind of the core group. I think the long termers, me, Hayden Hollis, um, ended up being Jack Clark and Cabby. So us four were probably the, and then Luke Kroll towards the end. Um, were the ones that were in the gym every day. So you can, and, the, and those lads were all good in terms of their attitude and things like that. So <clears throat> that made it a lot easier. Um, so I'm keeping my eye on all, how all of them are doing just because we, we became closer just through doing our rehab together. Excellent opportunity to level the scores, having been 2-0 down just a few moments before. Drill into the box here by Whelan, header there, and he's found Carline. And just as I say that, Chesterfield have a third there. The header from Aguirre, it found Carline at the back post, a free man. His second goal of the season, and it's re-established a two-goal cushion for the visitors. It's now Woking 1, Chesterfield 3. And obviously, it's then not ideal during that time if you have a change of manager because you can't do anything to impress them or show them what you can do, can you? If, if, if you're not playing, uh, what was it? 
what was it like? Did you did you end up having a conversation with Cookie or anything like that when he when he came in? Did he or was he? Uh... He he was always supportive. Into obviously the stage I was at when he came in, there was I had ambitions of I, I, I touched on it before. The if everything went right with my injury, it should have only really been five or six months probably. Um, and I started, I think it was just before um, Cookie came in that um, I started getting issues with it and infections and things like that. So it kept putting me back and putting me back. But he was he was always supportive. He was every day he was checking how it was how it was doing, um, how I was getting on, progressing, talking with the physios and things like that. Um, but it was it was hard for him because I was getting setbacks every every few weeks really I think I thought it was getting better and then it'd flare up again and we'd go backwards so it was tough for, I think he just had to knock it on the head that I wasn't going to be available that season because he, he needed to look around the squad and see who, who was going to be available for when things like that and it, it was I think it was so tough at the time um, to try and plan for like I said, who was coming back when? It was yeah, it was silly really in terms of the, the the amount and the severity of the injuries that we did have. Yeah, and, and going to the end of that season then, and, and like pre-season, you did obviously train with us, didn't you? In, yeah. In the summer, was the um, was there a, a chance of of getting a contract there or? No? I, yeah, I I went in. Um, I went in with the intention that I wanted to go in and, pre- and impress and, and get a contract. I wanted to, I made it clear straight away um, from the outset that I wanted to stay um, and earn a contract. So I went in, I was basically, I, I worked hard over the summer as well when we were, when we were off um, to hopefully go in and kind of full steam ahead and, and be within it straight away. So the first week or so of, pre-season I was in full training um, and doing and doing pretty well really I felt fit and strong and I think I probably looking back I probably just did a bit too much too soon um, didn't um, control my kind of load well enough and then I was getting little niggles here and there for a week or so um, and then it came yeah it came towards the end of the end of the month I think it was a few weeks into pre-season just we just had the conversation me and me and the manager and I just he just thought that um either I wasn't in a position um to offer what he wanted in that in that squad um or the club weren't in a position to offer me something I think it was a bit of both really um and it's one of them it's kind of no hard feelings I, I I, I, t- I said to the manager, I said, I expected to come in kind of, like I said, all guns blazing, trying to really impress. Um, and obviously it didn't work out that way. So it's it's just one of them, really. So you're, so you're at Brackley now? Yep. And I've just yeah. scored a few goals as well. Keep seeing you scoring a few. Got a, yeah, got a couple in the first, um, in the first five games, got a couple. Uh, we've started a little bit inconsistent. I think, well, we're, we're six games in now. We've won three and lost three. But the similar similar to Chesterfield, really, we've had a lot of 
there's been a, a big turnover of players. And I think it's, especially when you're a part-time team, it, it takes a bit longer to, to bed in and for the team to gel a bit. Um, obviously, you're not working with people. Like we're not working. The managers aren't working with the squad day to day. So it's always going to take a bit longer. Um, but there's definite signs there that we we can progress and have a successful season because the the management team in particular and um, some of the lads that have been there for a good few years are obviously experienced being up towards the top of that league. Um, so I don't think there's there's no reason why we can't can't be moving up and challenging again. And I suppose on a personal level, after last season, it'll just be nice to nice to play a full season, won't it? And uh, yeah, yeah, that's the aim. Uh, it's been good just to to get in. I've, uh, I played I think ninety minutes in every single game so far. Um, so it's kind of that reassurance that your knees holding up and your body in general, and you you kind of keeping your fitness and things like that. So I think that's what I'm focusing on at the minute is if I can put everything into being the best version of me, then I think it will help the team and and we can, like I said, be successful. Mm. And, and are you still doing anything in terms of teaching and, and stuff like that? I saw, I saw at one point you started a business with your brother, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I had that business. We had that business for five years. So when, uh, when I first started at Sully Hall, there was that kind of ambition that obviously, like I said, they were part-time at the time, but I, I knew that there'd be that kind of ambition to move on to full-time with Solihull. So that's why I started that up with my brother. Um, I haven't got that anymore that we had that for five years. It was, it was a great experience kind of working and managing a, and managing a business and a staff and things like that. Um, but I've, yeah, hopefully starting next week. Actually, I'll uh, I'm going back in and doing some teaching when the when the kids are back. Um, and there's a few other things that I've got kind of lined up um, potentially. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm keeping busy. Um, I still like to have a little bit of flexibility if I can, um, not be tied down to particular days and months that I can work and things like that so hopefully I'll have a little bit of flexibility but the, yeah it's good that it's nice that um, Brackley have put their faith in me and the, the management and the ownership and things like that have, have put that faith in me so hopefully I can repay that on, on that side of things and obviously last couple of questions but obviously uh, you obviously keep still keeping in touch with a lot of those Chesterfield players because there's still quite a lot of them there isn't there Will we, uh, and you're not that far away, will we see you at a match? Sometime? Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to get up. Obviously, you have to find one when I'm not playing. Um, yeah. I saw Dent did, uh, I think he, did he commentate on the... He did, yeah. Was it the Barnet game? Uh, yes, I think it, yeah. Yeah. Friday night one. Yeah. He's obviously been up there. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely get to a game at some point. Like I said, to try and find one when I'm not playing as well. It's only 45 minutes up the road for me. Um but yeah, I've dropped a few texts here and there just to see how people are getting on. Obviously, some of the lads have moved on, some are still there. Um, but yeah, the, the the squad that the squad that Cookies put together is 
clearly obviously you you've watched them more than I would have done this season but some of the signs are very promising it's good it's just good yeah like I said it's good to see that the lads that I know that were there before that are still kind of doing it and, and proving to the manager that they can do it and that they're going to be important an important part of it um but yeah I keep I keep watching when I can watch the watch the chest uh, sorry watch the Notts County game, which was a bit disappointing in terms of the the way that the points were thrown away. But yeah, some some of the football that they're playing is um, it's not surprising because I've seen obviously seen the players coming in pre-season. Um, it's not surprising for me, but it's just good to see it um, actually put into put into fruition. Well, I'm sure that um, I think Phil Tooley usually watches most of these, so I'm sure he'll be in touch. If if the, <laughs> if the schedule falls and he uh, needs a co-commentator, I'm sure he'll be on the phone. <laughs> I look forward to it. Going. Yeah, well, from a Chesterfield fan's point of view, uh, I can't speak on behalf of everyone, but I'm sure I can. But like you say, you're one of those players that were ultimately incredibly consistent and solid and you clean sheets, assists and goals. And you, you're kind of one of those players that uh, if you're going to mark players out of 10, you could probably put a 7 to 10 on you from before the match even started because generally you were really consistent week in, week out. So it's just a shame we didn't get to see a bit a bit more of you uh, for a few more seasons, but uh, but you are excellent while you were here. Yeah, <laughs> that's, what, that's what my brother said in his best man speech. He says, he's always a, he's always a 7 out of 10, like talking about football. And I said... That's not really a compliment, is it? Consistently average. 